Hey, welcome to the harbor. If this is your first time here, you need to know that my name is Caleb, and I'm the student pastor, and I'm thankful that you came tonight. So I hope you've enjoyed yourself so far. I hope you didn't get destroyed by a big ball and had some sweet dance moves happening. Hey, so we've been in the middle of the series. It's called Shook. And to be shook means to be uh, surprised or, or, or even disturbed, uh, physically upset, shocked, um, or emotionally even. So if you were here and you're like, man, watching them dance had me shook, right? Like, wow. So, so we've been kind of talking about this, but, but really we've been talking about it in, in relation to who Jesus is and, and to what we know about this thought of being saved. What you understand about uh, myself and, and I would like to say a majority of the people around you um, and the leaders here is that, one, we believe uh, that Jesus was a real person who died, who came to earth because we were sinful but, uh, but died on a cross for our sin and then rose again and is, is alive today. And that those who, who trust him, who, who have the honor, they, they get the privilege of entering into a relationship with him and, and to know him and to know God. And, and we believe that God's word is living and active and speaks to us. But there's some things about our salvation and some things about this world that can leave us kind of shook about what's happening and, and, and how things are happening and why things are happening. And so we're just going to continue that tonight. And so what I'll encourage you, I actually left my phone up here from earlier. What I encourage you to do right now is a great time if you put your phone on vibrate or on silent, um, just so it won't be a distraction. What you need to understand about this right here, not this particular phone, but your phone is it absolutely can run your life if you let it. It, it, it can be addictive. Um, it can lead you into some wrong directions. Um, it can lead you into some wrong relationships. Um, it, it absolutely can run your life if you let it. And so this is just a, a way that you can practice putting that thing out of sight, out of mind, um, not letting it run your life, at least in this moment. Cool? I'm going to pray for us real quick. God, I thank you for this time. I ask that you would move <clears throat> in these moments, that you would speak through my words. God, that you would impact these students in mighty ways. God, that, that you would bind the enemy. God, we came in um, with the world on our shoulders for some of us, with a lot of things um, in our hearts and in our minds, the things that can be distracting, uh, that can be consuming we're asking these moments that you'd free us from that, that you'd give us a peace um, and a focus. Lord, you're powerful enough to do that, and so I ask that you would. Uh, we trust you, and we love you, and we thank you for all you do. Speak um, in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. What you need to know about me, a little, a little clarity about me. Uh, I, I grew up um, in a Christian household that my, my parents were, uh, my, my dad is a pastor, and so I like, grew up in that sum. And, and so I gave my life to Christ, I'd like to say, when I was like eight. But since then, I, I've had some really, really good ups and some, some really far downs that I've made some really good decisions and I've made some really terrible decisions um, in my life. 
uh, one of those bad decisions, not necessarily spiritually, but just bad, was uh, I played soccer from first grade to ninth grade. Yeah, I was pretty legit, and um, if you couldn't tell, uh, but why, what you should ask yourself is like, why did you not play in the 10th grade? Well, in the ninth grade, I started high school soccer, and so from, from uh, <laughs> first grade to eighth grade, don't hate on me, it's a very reputable organization, I played for the YMCA, okay, and it's pretty competitive, it's pretty competitive, uh, to be completely honest, they, I mean, everyone did get a trophy, but, but you know, they kind of knew who was the better ones, right, and I was going to be, again, honest, running the league. To be completely transparent with you, I was killing it in soccer at the YMCA. And they told me, they're like, you're a winner. And I was like, yes, I am, you know. And so I, w- I was killing it pretty good. Um, I-, I get to, to high school and, and what she understand is I-, I had some preconceived notions, some thoughts about how it would be. I show up the first day. I get into the class. I actually make, I go to tryouts. I make the team. I'm pretty stoked. And, and the teacher, the first, the coach, really, the first day of like soccer class, he says, okay. I'm going to need you to raise your hand if you played soccer before today. And, and then, and I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he said, and YMCA soccer doesn't count. And I was like, yeah, man. And the kids that raised their hands after that, those dudes were awesome. I ended up being terrible. And uh, what happened then was I get to our first practice. We come outside and the coach says, all right, we're going to run. And I'm like, okay, like with a soccer ball maybe or what? He says, no, no, you know those apartments down the road? Like, yeah, no, you can't see them because they're like three miles down the road. He's like, we're going to run to those apartments. Then we're going to turn around and run back. Then we'll be done with practice. And I was like, what? Like I came to kick a soccer ball to eat some fruit snacks, like mid-practice, because that's what we did at the Y, and then go home a winner, right? Like, I was ready for this, and, and, then, he, and then he says, and, and if I pass you, you're running it again. And I was like, what? So you, can, can you just guess where I was in the pack when we were running? I was, no, I was last. I was absolutely last, but... You know, this was not built for running right here. Okay, this was built for lifting, breaking things, uh, sitting. Also, I was built for sitting, not for running. Um, and, and so I was last, but I was about five feet in front of that coach. Like, I could smell his breath. Like, oh, dude, like, just stay ahead of him because if I run again, I will cry in front of my classmates. And so I realized in that moment that what I thought soccer was going to be for me was not. I also realized that I, I, I'm competitive when I'm good, but when I'm not good, I'm like, man, I'm kind of done with this, right? And, and so I, I wasn't really feeling the whole, like, competitiveness of soccer, and my teammates were jerks. Like, they were just mean. There's still one, if I saw him today, like, I would have to pray for strength that I didn't just punch him in the face, okay? Like, it was that bad. Like, they just, it was just not fun. Like, there was just nothing cool about it. Like, I still love playing soccer. Like, I'd still play a pickup soccer game, but, but I just did not really enjoy my freshman year of soccer. Like, I was kind of insecure. Like, I didn't really know how to handle some of these dudes that, like, were just mean and, and crude. And, and I just didn't, I didn't, 
deal with it well. And it's all because really like my expectations of what it would be like didn't line out with reality. Like they didn't match up. And some of you have been in the same boat, right? Where you, you joined a team or, or maybe you joined a, a class or, or you had a friend group um, or, or maybe you like moved into a new town or maybe you moved into this place. Maybe it's even this church where you're like still trying it out and, and here it is is that you have expectations about how it would be, you have thoughts about the way it should go, and then what happens sometimes is it doesn't line out. Like, it becomes very frustrating, it becomes uh, very uh, concerning and saddening even. That it becomes really hard when your expectations aren't, aren't accurate. And it's not your fault, they just, it's just what you expect, what you know, and then when you come in, it's not the way you thought. It's not how you thought it should go or how, how it should be. It gets especially hard, and this is where I want to go tonight when, when we think about our relationship with Jesus. That sometimes we do the same thing I did with soccer that, that we, do, we do that with Jesus. Where you have some thoughts about how your relationship should go, you have some understanding about what it would do. That moment, if you're in here, where you um, came to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like you had a belief and an understanding about what that would look like. But yet, what happens so often is, is the, the problems we had before we knew Jesus. Or the problems of this world, or the temptations, the addictions, the 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 callings, the the things that are like pulling us away, like they're still there. Like I remember being in high school and saying, no, I'm gonna walk with Jesus, I'm gonna try to walk with Jesus, but then I had these temptations, I had these flesh desires, I had these things that that continually pulled me away from what I knew God was calling me to, and and it was just this battle all the time, and I remember it would often cause me just to even doubt my salvation, it would cause me to feel guilt, it would cause me to feel anger, and it would cause me to feel like God was angry, angry at me for what I had done and what I continued to do. That I would promise God I would never do it again and then I would continue and I would end up doing it again. And it was just a cycle. Some of you understand where I'm at and, and what happens is that we thought when we trusted God that all things we struggle with would just go away. That we had this, this understanding we thought, man, okay, like, I struggle with these things. I'm going to just trust God and go away. But yet then they didn't. And things get hard. And that's when we begin to doubt. That's when we begin to, for the sake of the series, be shook about our relationship with God and what that looks like. Some of you are in that boat. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know the internal battle that rages on within you. This calling of flesh versus the calling of God on your life. Some of you, you don't know Jesus, like you've never placed your faith in him and you're kind of confused right now. And you're like, what? And then what you need to understand that happens is you, you come to know God, that God opens your eyes in a way that I, I can't necessarily explain with words. Like, I don't know if I could put right words to it, but it is something that absolutely is outside of your control. And God says, hey, here I am. My, my prayer is he does that to you tonight. And you have the decision where you wanna trust him with your life. And the Bible says he's a good father, he is a good God. And what happens is he begins to, to show you your purpose and, and, and you understand your life. You understand why God puts you in the places he puts you. 
Problem is the world still is trying to call you away. And it's a struggle, but it's not a new struggle. And that's what I love about God's word is, is it gives answers. That some of you don't get in this very much, and you should because it really gives answers to everything in life. It is living and active and is applicable to today. In 1 Corinthians, we see that Paul was writing to this church in the town of Corinth, and they, were, they were, had come to know Jesus there, and they're battling and struggling with this thought of, of the world still saying, hey, no, you should worship all sorts of gods. Hey, you should have all sorts of rituals. You should have all sorts of things. And he's saying, no, 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 like don't give in to that thing. And then he writes them this, and it's uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, hey, you need to understand, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. Some of you need to hear that tonight. The things you're going through, the things you're suffering with, the things you're dealing with, the things you're struggling with, whether that be anxiety or addiction or substance abuse like alcohol or marijuana, whether that be, that be pornography, whether that, that is the party scene, whether that is girls and, 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 and sexual things or, or, or guys and sexual things or, or whatever that is. He says, man, you need to understand that the temptation that you're dealing with is what is common to humanity. It is not uncommon. You are not an island by yourself, but in fact, you are surrounded by people that deal with similar or the same temptations. You're not alone. And it's not uncommon and it's not something that's like, oh man, I am just plagued with this. No, no, you're dealing with what everyone else is dealing with. It's common. And we think because we found salvation in Jesus that it, that it means it's all going to go away, but the desire just doesn't seem to go away. Some of you know that feeling. The temptation to do wrong things doesn't go away. And if you don't understand that, that what you're dealing with is common, then then it can be depressing. It can cause doubt. It can cause fear in what Jesus is doing. But you understand, no, no, what you're dealing with is common. It's a common thing to humanity. But then he goes on. This is what's cool. Then he goes on. He says, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way out so that you may bear it. Say, man, God is good. You understand that, that we have a good God who knows your strengths, who knows your weaknesses. And in our temptation, we have access to a powerful God. We have access to, to a faithful God and I love what it says, that this is never wrong. It is always true who will provide a way out. He says, you have a powerful God who will provide a way out. And the strength to not be overtaken by temptation. Some of you don't, like, this may be the first time you're hearing that. He says, but God is faithful, that he cares deeply about you and what you're going through. But here's where your part is, and you need to understand this. Here's where your part is. Here's where your responsibility comes in. That when you give into temptation and the things you know you shouldn't do and the things you chose to do instead of choosing God, when you give into temptation, it's not because, this is kind of the bad news of the scripture for us, is that it's not because God didn't provide a way. 
And it's not because the temptation was, was too much for you to handle. It's likely because we weren't looking for the way out. And it's likely because we weren't asking God to give us the strength to stand up under it. Maybe you were trying to provide under your own strength. Maybe you were trying to stand under your own strength. But the person tempting you, the enemy tempting you, Satan tempting you is much stronger than you. And it just can't be done. That's the reality of the scripture. Is that God always provides a way out. And so here's the thing that can cause. It can cause a lot of guilt. It can cause a lot of guilt about your relationship with God. And naturally, we are humans. And what happens when you offend somebody close to you? What is their natural reaction? Anger. They're angry with you. They're angry at you. They, they, they think less of you. And so we apply that to God and assume he does the same for us. And you hear that. But that is not our God. No, no, it is not our sin. You need to hear this. It is not our sin that keeps God away. It is our sin that brought Jesus to the earth to die for you. Like it is our sin that, that called God to, to love us in a way that we feel and see and understand and have record of. So we have Hebrews 4.16. He says, Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. And we've been adopted into the body of Christ. We've been called sons and daughters of a good father, of a good shepherd. And he says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you're tempted to do the wrong thing, you need to hear it. And when you mess up, it's not because the temptation was too big. It's not because God didn't provide you a way out. It's simply because you chose to do something over and against God. It's simply because we chose something that was against God. But you need to understand what this scripture says. It says he doesn't give up on us. It says we can approach Jesus, the throne of grace, with boldness so that we may receive mercy and we may find grace. He says, man, just because you messed up, I provided you a way out. I would have given you the strength you need, but you chose not. And you messed up, but you need to understand that doesn't mean I stopped loving you. No, because you are children of God, because you have come into my family and been adopted under my name, you can come to my throne and I will give you mercy and I will give you grace in your time of need, in your hardest times, in your darkest times. And the times you feel the most regret and the most remorse. He says, man, I will give you mercy and grace in your time of need. That we find strength and direction through Jesus. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, rely on him, and he will make your path straight. 
It says, man, he makes us victorious over sin. He gives us what we need, that Jesus gives us the strength we need. It's not our own desires. It's not our own power. It's not our own plan. It is simply Jesus who gives us the strength we need. It is simply Jesus who makes our path straight. When everything else is confusing, when the world around you doesn't make sense, when college plans aren't working out, he says, man, cling to me. Trust in me with your whole life and your whole heart. Just don't abandon me, stay close, and let me make your path straight. Let me make the things that don't make sense make sense. Some of you are living in a world of turmoil, and it's a pretty simple equation. Saying, trust in the Lord, just just trust in me, just trust me that I love you and that I care for you. Find forgiveness and grace and mercy in the throne of grace when you come and approach me in in secret times and quiet times and prayer and in the word. He says, and I'll give you what you need. I'm a good father, I love you. In all your ways, know him and he will make your path straight. Jesus gives us the strength we need. And I'm gonna close right here. It's James 4, 7. He says this, and it's pretty, pretty easy and pretty cool. I couldn't close in any other way. He says, therefore submit to God. Therefore submit to God in your big decisions and your conversations, and the words you choose, and the places you go, and the things you buy, and the people you interact with. Remain in his presence and under his will. This word submit, to turn over to, to give into, to, to be open to, to trust. He says, submit it in everything. So where do you do tomorrow? What do you do tomorrow? How do you walk it out tomorrow? He says, man, just submit. Just submit to God, God, what do you want in this conversation? What do you want in this time? I want to please you in this moment. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you trusted him in that way? And here's what he says is the the outcome. He says, submit to God, resist the devil in the moments you're alone. Resist the devil when you are alone. Resist the devil when no one else knows about it. Resist the devil when you are tired. You need to understand that the Bible says, and I believe it, that Satan is like a roaring lion waiting to destroy you, waiting to find you in a weak moment, waiting to find you away from the pack, and he's going to attack you when you're alone. He's going to attack you when no one else knows about it, when no one else knows if you're going to cheat on that test, when no one else knows if you're going to cheat on that girl, when no one else knows if you're going to smoke that thing or drink that thing or do that thing or watch that thing or look at that thing or say that thing. Temptation is going to set it. When you're tired, he says, man, resist him in those moments. Resist him in those moments. Trust God. Submit to God. Resist him in those moments and check it out. And he will flee from you. It'll get easier. Good habits will form. Habits of, of pursuing God, submitting to God. Your character and your attitude will change. I don't know if you've ever met those people that are in love with Jesus in such a way that you're like, man, something is different about you. It's because they've submitted completely to God and God is changing them in a way that they couldn't change themselves. Your purpose in life will become more evident. When we trust in Jesus, he gives us the strength we need. Some of you had weird conceptions and weird understandings about Jesus, and you understand it is not who he is. Just because you're suffering with temptation doesn't mean God's abandoned you. It means you're human. Trust God that he's going to give you a way out. Submit to God and find life. That is who he is, and that's, that's what he wants for you.
He wants you to know your purpose. He wants you to know you're loved. He wants to use you in ways you couldn't be used otherwise. Jesus will give you the strength that you need and the time that you need it. Let's pray.